0: Texas Governor Abbott has issued a disaster declaration over the open border that Joe Biden has imposed on his state. So Joe Biden has dismantled all of the Trump border policies that restrained illegal immigration. And now everybody can come in. So Abbott says, we're getting killed in Texas, we're getting killed. So he's ordering uh, Texas Health and Human Services Commission And Texas Rangers, Texas State Police, all of them, take all necessary steps to discontinue uh, helping migrants. He doesn't want to spend Texas money, tax money, on this massive flow of migrants into Texas. Now, you say, I get letters on all this. Can't Texas detain foreign nationals and illegal? Can't they build their own wall? Can't they do this? Can't they do that? The answer is no. So if the state of Texas, if a Texas law enforcement agent takes into custody an illegal alien, an undocumented migrant, whatever you want to call them, has to immediately inform the feds and hand them over. Under Biden, that person is released. Feds aren't going to detain and send back. They're going to go. So Texas, they can't do anything. That's our constitution. But anyway, the governor did this, Governor Abbott, to get publicity because the press, as I wrote in my column, Protecting Joe, posted on BillOReilly.com, press isn't reporting any of this. They're blacking out the border now. In the beginning, they reported a little bit, but not now. No way. You're not going to hear about it. So because of all of this, uh, I just spent 10 minutes and 29 seconds telling you about pretty disturbing things in your country. And people get angry about it all right I'm, I'm a little bit angry i have to tell you i'm angry uh and on the right they're they're angry about the traditional american system being destroyed by the progressive left who has president biden in its pocket that's the primary motivator and the conservative traditional movement is angry about the loss of personal liberty. The COVID mask symbolized that. The left is angry about racial injustice. Racial injustice. Horrible America. Still persecuting blacks and other minorities. They're furious about that. And so both sides, like this, and there's a social civil war. So I asked Dr. Daniel Bober to think about this. He's a psychiatrist and uh, works down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, from where he's joining us. Are you a basketball fan, doctor? Somewhat. All right. So the other night, uh, a player in the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, uh, was walking off the court in Boston, and a guy threw a water bottle at him. And Kyrie Irving had, the week prior, said bad things about Boston, said it was a racist town, and all of that. So this kid, 22 years old, takes a water bottle and tosses it at Irving. Didn't hit him, but miss him just by a little. The kid has now been charged with a felony, kid 22, all right? And he'll be convicted. I don't know if he'll be convicted. He might plea it down. But he, his life is altered for the worse forever. He did it, in my opinion, because of rage. All right. He didn't like Kyrie Irving. And I'm seeing this play out not only in sports, but everywhere across the country, everywhere. We're seeing people get fights, violence, all kinds of stuff. And my question to you is, how do people handle this inner anger? Go.
1: So anger is really just a mask for fear, Bill. And what we're really talking about is both sides feeling that the other is encroaching and infringing on their way to live and be free. The way to cope with this anger is to have some sort of mutual understanding and try to cope with it in healthier ways, whether that involves spirituality, exercise, yoga. We have to diffuse that anger and we have to try to use uh, that energy in a more constructive way.
0: Okay, now I'm going to use myself as your guinea pig. Okay, so I've been doing this for a long time. And when Obama was president, even though I I disagree with a lot of his leftist policies, I wasn't really angry at him. I talked to him many times. We always had civil conversations. Um, I was annoyed sometimes, but I wasn't angry. And when I took calls on the radio and read mail on TV, there was a little bit of anger. But then when Trump took over, the anger ratcheted up, primarily coming from the anti-Trump, the hate Trumpers. All right. And then the people who like Trump reacted to that. And it got to this crescendo. Now that Biden's president, I feel myself getting a little teed off at Mr. Biden, even though he's affable. I think he's harming the country to an extent that I've never seen. And I'm not real happy And if I were interviewing Mr. Biden, it would be a pretty tough go for him. So how do I rein in my anger?
1: Well, I think you said it correctly. I think all this really began with the last administration. Things became so polarized and so divided that people engaged in this identity politics where there was tribalism, where I don't have civil discourse with you because I disagree with you on policy. I literally hate you. And what you represent, it's us and it's them. And I think that is the, me- the mentality that has taken over, whether we're talking about politics or the racial divide or mask wearing. And I think the point is, is that we need to find some common ground to unite as Americans and cut through this division that we have.
0: But that's never going to happen. You have to know that as a psychiatrist, because you have elements in our society that want to burn it down they don't wanna find well number. i see
1: this, i see this in my i see this in my office every day you know people complaining about the election people complaining about max people complaining about this racial reckoning this is something that i see every day and i think that it's really up to the leadership of this country to try to tamp down the rhetoric to try to find that common ground to try to unite both sides there's always going to be extremist factions that benefit from this discord But I think we have to try to all move towards the middle and understand each other.
0: There is no leadership in this country, doctor.
1: Well, listen, again, that goes back to the polarization. I think both sides... No, 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 it goes back to the
0: individual. There is no leader in this country right now. There is not. There's not one person that has the respect of the majority of Americans who can bring people together. Now, Biden said he was going to do it totally lied, 100% lie, and then he got in and, w- and is the most polarizing liberal president of all time. There, can you well, name one leader, one person, that you think could bring Antifa together with uh, Governor Abbott of Texas?
1: Well, it would probably have to be someone that's more of a centrist,
0: because there I think isn't both any. sides- there nobody. I Nobody. There's nobody.
1: I don't, see, I don't see one right now. I agree with you.
0: All right. So we are a country that's in the middle of a civil war. There was nobody back in the Civil War days, you know, no Lincoln, Jefferson, Davis, that could bring the North and the South together. So they had to kill each other. And the North prevailed because they had a better military system. And that's why the nation united and unite on any detente. They didn't do anything together. They just forced them in. So it I don't know. I, I mean, you know, we're going to have a midterm election. I think that the far left's going to get hammered because of the economy. But I see a personal rage situation. Now, what about, and this is my last question for you. I tell people who are angry, and believe me, everywhere I go, everybody knows who I am. Everywhere I go, people walk up to me and go, is it over for America? Is it over? What should we do? And they're, they're agitated. I mean, they're like this. And I said, look, the only thing you can do is be a good person in your life. No matter what they do, the corporate media is corrupt. Biden is insane, I think, in his policies. No matter what they do, you have to be a good person. And you have to do positive things. And I think if that were to seep in, and people kept busy doing good things, the rage level will come down. Is that a solution? I
1: totally agree. I think we have to take some personal responsibility and try to put positive energy into the universe. And I think if we all did that, I agree. I think the volume would be turned down on this anger. And as a country, we would be much better off as a whole.
0: All right. But we're all not going to do that. The drug gangs in Chicago are not going to put positive energy into the universe. They're going to put a bullet between somebody's eyes. And so those people have to be crushed. Crushed. But we don't have any politicians willing to do that right now. Hey, doctor, thanks very much. Uh, When I come down to Lauderdale, I'll I'll come on in. You give me a session. All right. You calm me down. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So let's come back here with President Biden. There's a new poll out on abortion, and abortion is a problem for the Roman Catholic president. So this is a Gallup poll, um, 1,016 adults, Um, Republican, 29, Democrat, 33. So there's that gap. The question is simple. Do you believe abortion is morally acceptable or morally wrong? Okay, morally acceptable, 47%. Morally wrong, 46%. In 2020, just last year, the number was morally acceptable, 44. So that's up three in a year. Morally wrong, 47. That's... um, up one. So uh, it's safe to say the country is divided on abortion. By party, it's not even close. Democrats, morally acceptable 64. Republicans, morally acceptable 26. Um, independent, morally acceptable 51. All right, so independents leaning pro-abortion. So next week, uh, beginning on Wednesday, the bishops, you Roman Catholic bishops, and I told you this, Um, are going to have a meeting. And it's going to be virtual because they don't want to get COVID or whatever. I don't understand, but they're doing it by Zoom or whatever they use. I don't know. Now, the big consideration in this meeting that nobody pays attention to, not even Catholics, the media doesn't cover it, it's, it's really inconsequential, is what they call Eucharistic consistency. What that means is in the Roman Catholic Church receiving communion, the wafer, okay, is the essence of your worship. And in order to be able to receive the Eucharist, you have to be sin-free. That means you can't um, be committing a mortal sin or have one on your conscience without uh, confessing it in penance. That's the rule. Now, it's not enforced. Um, Some of the biggest sinners in the world are going to communion. I can tell you that I've seen it in person. Now, the problem here is that Joe Biden not only accepts the pro-choice platform, not only accepts that, and, and many, many Roman Catholic politicians accept it. You know them. Cuomo in New York, the Kennedy family, many of them. But Biden promotes abortion. What do I mean by that? He says abortion should be allowed for any reason at any time. So that means ninth month of pregnancy. If the woman has a panic attack or if she's not feeling that well, bang, that nine month fetus is exterminated. That's an extreme position. Ten years ago, that, that position was not held by anybody in this country, anybody of note. Biden has embraced it. And he's gone a step further. He says, I, who believes in the sanctity of life, I have to pay for abortions because he wants to use my tax dollars to do it. So Joe Biden is an extremist. He's not just a pro-choice guy. He's an extremist on this. And it's very public for everybody to see. So you would think that the Pope would have something to say about this. That's not gonna happen. All right, Pope Francis understands that if he did that, he would alienate millions and millions of people. He does not want to do that. You have to understand that the Roman Catholic Church is a political body. It's political, okay? The theology isn't political. Render to Caesar is the, um, is the headline on Jesus and politics. Render to Caesar, render to God. So theology of the Catholic Church is not political in any way. But the men who run it are very political. And they're not going to do anything to Joe Biden. There are a few of them outspoken against him. The Archbishop of San Francisco, uh, Nauman, another archbishop, some uh, bishops themselves, but they're not. They're not going to say the president of the United States cannot receive the Holy Eucharist. They aren't. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, as everybody knows, has been badly damaged in the United States and all over the world by the failure to police its clergy. And some of that clergy abused children. And because of that, the church has lost moral authority all over the world. It's on the ropes. So church going in Europe very low, in the United States going down. The church is growing in Asia and Africa, Catholic Church, because it provides charitable services. And the one thing the Catholic Church does do, it's not in a dispute, is it helps poor people everywhere. By far and away, the most charitable institution on this planet is the Roman Catholic Church. Indisputable. However, in the United States the church is lost its way completely I mean I go to church every Sunday all right I see and the church is half empty the sermons are usually worthless the young people almost non-existent they don't go all right the the average age in my mass is about 80 it's the old guard going and the Pope And the archbishops, the cardinals in the U.S.A., they know this. And the last thing they want is to be on the front page of the New York Times getting slammed. And on every TV network getting slammed. The church is not going to allow that to happen. So Joe Biden will skate. Okay, it's been five months since Joe Biden took office, so how's he doing? Let's bring in a historian and an author. David Patricia. he is uh, up in Scotia, New York, where it's about 95 like it is down here on Long Island. All right, um, David, I want you to give Joe Biden a grade for his first five months that would be.
2: Well, the first, uh, when we talked about this the last time, I copped out and gave him an incomplete. But I think he has been so bad since then, where it is difficult to come up with a positive point to say, well, I'll give him that. And it's just not there. It's not there on inflation. It's certainly not there in dealing with Congress, where he should excel, having been there since he was 29 years old, uh, being the vice president, knowing how the system works, supposedly, and really you know, putting the pressure on like FDR did, you know, maybe a purge of of congressional opposition, which didn't work for FDR. And also one of the things you should do when you're going to bring an issue like this forward is you count the votes beforehand, not after. uh,
0: But but he's trying, he's playing to the press rather than Congress. He's not playing to Congress. It's it's obviously that he's not going to get very much passed in this Congress. He's not. And he's he's playing playing to 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 his left-wing base. Yeah, that's who he's playing to. Now, can you explain to me why he never has anything on his schedule? That is one thing a day? I mean, is that unusual? You're a historian. You've studied past presidents. I've never seen anything like it.
2: It really is. I mean, uh, if you take a look at Franklin D. Roosevelt's schedule, He's meeting with people in, in short batches, like our, or sport 15 minute shots. But it's once he gets up and out of bed, it's all day. And then they're traveling from one place to another, meeting with more people, having more events. This is an unusually light schedule for, for any uh, leader,
0: whether he's in the state legislature, even. I don't, I don't know anyone in Congress, I don't know any foreign leaders. And I don't know any president, past president, who's ever had a schedule like this. It's almost as if um, he isn't running the government at all, that other people are doing everything. And, of course, you're not going to know what their schedules are. We're talking Susan Rice, Ron Klein, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. You're not going to know what they're doing. But it's almost as if Biden is just sitting there being waiting to be told what to do and say. I, I don't want to be unfair to him. But that's what it looks like. Well,
2: it certainly does. I'm I'm looking at my own schedule. I've got. I was up at four in the morning doing stuff, and um, so it doesn't make sense. It it smells on the surface. It should give alarm to people, but it is not giving alarm to people. I think if the election were held today, he still wins. But but it's not reported. He's Teflon Joe at this point.
0: No, I don't even think he's Teflon Joe. He's Invisible Joe. (laughs)
2: This, <laughs> well, that's how you no, make
0: it Nobody, nobody reports his daily schedule as far as I know, other than me. And I have a news service that's small in comparison to the corporate media. Corporate media has blacked out coverage of Biden. When was the last time you saw oh, a border story? Yeah. They, they're not reporting on the border anymore. I mean, there's a supply shortage of everything in America. That I report reporting on that. I'm going to tell you about that in a little while because it affects all of us. But the news media is basically saying, look, we're not even going to bother reporting Jen Psaki will just blah, 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 blah blah every day means nothing. And that'll be the end of it. But you're right. I I don't know. Half the country, if they had to pull a lever again today, would probably pull it for Biden. It's kind of shocking to me.
2: Well, it, it is shocking, but, you know, you can't run against so much of the media where so much is is blanked out. I mean, you know. Uh, sources like yourself will report on this, but otherwise it's, you know, it, it is what it, flavor ice cream do you like? Or so much of it is now with this woke culture where we're, we're distracted by this every day with something crazier every day where they were going after the bird watchers the other day. And you have to rename what birds are named because uh. of what somebody said 200 years
0: ago. And that gets a lot of traction on social media. Last question for you. You wrote a book, a good book, because I I read it, The Invasion of Normandy. All right. And you wrote it in 1995. It's been out a while. My question is, if American youth had to fight again, which they won't because of technology, but if there was a draft and American youth had to go and fight for their country, fight a very, very powerful enemy. Do you think they would make the sacrifice that our soldiers made? uh, The anniversary of D-Day was yesterday, 77 years, that our soldiers made in 1944. Do you think that our population is now capable of doing that?
2: Frankly, no. No. And they were unusually united then. So you've got sort of an outlier in support for a war, then because it was overwhelmingly popular but now when you can't decide on what your interests are what the nation should be doing should you be giving money to iran or to guatemala when you were talking about guatemala earlier i was thinking about something from the 19th century which was a a big catchphrase then millions for defense not one penny for tribute So have we reached the stage where we're paying tribute to a small country like Guatemala to just sort of lay off us, to help us out, to buy them off instead of defending our own borders? That's what we're what we've come to. And when you can't defend your own borders or or seem to have that willingness, are you going to do it overseas? All right,
0: David, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. Or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877 gold Or text GOLD to 65532. Iowa. So, Governor Reynolds signed a bill banning. I mean banning. You can't do it. Critical race theory in public schools. All right? So... House Bill 802 goes into effect July 1st. It says, Iowa's public colleges and governmental entities are prohibited from teaching divisive concepts, including the moral character is determined by one's race or sex or that the United States and Iowa are fundamentally or systemically racist. You can't do it. Right on. Okay. Enough's enough. Corrupting children in public schools and in high schools and colleges is wrong. And now in Iowa, it's against the law. It's also against the law in Idaho, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Good for them. Vermont, the total opposite of Iowa. So the uh, state that brought us uh, Bernie Sanders and Ben and Jerry now says you can't go to the poll If you want to vote on Election Day, you can't if you're a Vermonter. You can't show up, can't pull a lever. You have to vote by mail. Governor Scott, he's a Republican because the Vermonters, they're crazy, generally speaking, but they don't want to be bankrupt. So they put Republicans in as governor. Massachusetts does that, too. All right. So this is Bill S-15. Every registered voter in the state will receive a mail-in ballot in advance of the November election. And that's the only way you can vote. And there's a whole bunch of other things. Rife with fraud. I mean, easily, easy fraud. Easy. You know, going there, hard. Mail-in, not hard. Other states that have it. Washington State, Colorado, California, Hawaii, Utah. Elections entirely by mail. Most livable cities on the planet and most unlivable. Let's get the positive. Let's put the livable up there. The most livable, livable city on the planet is Auckland, New Zealand. I have not been there. Osaka, Japan. I have been there. It's okay. I'm not moving there. Adelaide, Australia, have not been, but I've been to Sydney, Cairns, and Darwin, Australia. Wellington, New Zealand, Northern New Zealand, Tokyo, Japan, no, no, you can't even get into town from the airport, no. All right, so the litmus test here um, is stability, health care, culture and environment, education, infrastructure. Now, New Zealand, a very interesting country, very clean, um, not many people there, way, way down in the Pacific, South Pacific, but it's not, it's chilly, not, you know, Tahiti. But I, I, I think probably Auckland and Wellington are nice place to live. Not a lot going on, not a lot going on, but if you want to just have a relaxing life, all right, Japan, I'm sorry. I, I like the bullet trains, I love Kyoto, I like the blossoms in the spring, I like all that. But the big cities, yeah, it's not that there's a lot of crime, it's just so many people. I like the tea, I like the hot baths, I like all that. But no. And then Australia, yeah, you know, I liked Australia. I could live in Australia. I won't, so don't get nervous if you're watching us down there, but... All right, here are the worst. You want the worst cities? We got them for you. Algiers, Algeria, a terra center, have not been there. All right, have been to Morocco, but didn't go over to Algeria. Dhaka, Bangladesh, as poor as you could possibly imagine. Port Moresby, New Guinea, uh, I don't even know. I I haven't been there, but trust me, New Guinea is not a place you want to build a Club Med. Uh, Lagos, uh, Nigeria, just chaos in Nigeria in every way, pollution, you name it, Damascus, Syria. Hey, Damascus, Syria? Come on, that's Assad. All right, I agree with all those. Dennis Miller, wherever I go, people go, How are Miller, how's Miller? What's Miller doing? All right, so Miller is semi-retired in California, but I have lured him onto the program Monday, June 21st. And I lured him by threatening to show you this clip.
1: Welcome to the Bordello of Blood.
0: Lucy, I'm home!
1: Where pleasure may be for sale. Take off your clothes, worm. You know, you make it sound really enticing. But death is on the house. My name is Rafe Gutman, Gutman Investigations. My brother's been
0: gone for days. This is your brother? Wow. Same parents? I'm sorry. I showed it anyway. <laughs> that movie was actually on Showtime last night. I was at the Islander game, so I missed it. But Miller will be joining us on a Monday, June 21st. I'm sure he'll get revenge on me for doing that. This podcast
1: is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com.
0: Okay, let's get to the mail. John White, DeWitt, Michigan. As I watch the news showing all these attacks on white people... I can't help but think President Biden and his people are responsible when they tell citizens of color that they are oppressed and victims of white systemic racism. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Biden bears some responsibility to this crazy racial division that we're seeing. So does Barack Obama, who apparently denies it's even happening. You know, I mean. Hey, I I can't tell you how disappointed I am in in President Obama by today because I know him and he's always been rational with me. I disagreed with a lot of the things that he did. He is a quasi socialist and I disagree with that, but I didn't see him. But now. Mm. Jeffrey Greenwald, Cincinnati, Ohio. Bill, could you please explain how President Biden's push for global minimum tax rate is legal? Why would it be illegal? Biden wants all the countries in the world, the developed nations, to tax corporations so that they don't move there. From here, when he applies the onerous taxation, he's threatened to institute. That's what he wants. Why would that be illegal? Now, the G7 say they're going to have a 15 percent corporate tax. That's far below what Biden wants here, so. If you're a corporation, you're going to consider the EU or places like Uruguay in South America where they don't tax corporations. So, you know, Biden's doing this because he knows the U.S. economy is going to suffer once he starts to punish the uh, corporations. Now, I believe the corporations should pay. They should. But it's not what the media is reporting many, many times. Okay, it's not. Each tax thing is different. I run three corporations. I pay everything that I'm required to pay. But I know each of my corporations is different. Gary Gundlach, Dayton, Nevada. Bill, I've read a killing patent. I am currently reading Killing England. I appreciate learning the behind-the-scenes history and factual information. It's given give me a new understanding of how tyranny can threaten our world. Through your books and broadcasts, I consider you to be our modern-day Patrick Henry, with your slogan, Stand Up for Your Country. I wear my hat proudly. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. Uh, Patrick Henry, give me a liberty or give me death. Uh, The governor of Virginia, um, a very, very patriotic man. And I'm sure they find fault with him down in uh, the Commonwealth, but he, uh, he helped forge this country. Jimmy Jones, New Brunfels, Texas, in the Hill Country. Bill, give me a break. All right. Jimmy, I'll give you a break. (laughs) Don't get mad at me. Why should Disney have to lower their theme park prices so poor people can attend? Pre-COVID, the parks are packed year-round. Let the market decide. Look, Disney can charge whatever it wants, but don't give me this oppressed people business if you're Disney when you don't care about the oppressed people at all. Jimmy? All right? They can charge whatever they want, but All I'm hearing from Disney is, oh, America's a bad country. It's bad. We suppress poor people here. We are unfair to them. Meantime, couldn't there be a day of the week where working families got a special rate? Couldn't there be a special discount card for Disney? Couldn't it be any of that? So the kids whose parents don't have much money can get in? Jimmy? Come on. Give me a break. And, Jimmy, I'm not mad at you, by the way. I'm just debating you. Karen Weeks, Sierra Vista, Arizona. Hey, Bill, regarding holly, what made you decide on a corgi? I didn't know a corgi from a German shepherd until my son, age 10, started demanding a corgi a few years back, all right? Little did I know that although the dog is as cute as you can get, the dog sheds. And I know I've said this before. I know I'm whining, but you have no idea. But it's worth it. Holly the Terry dog is worth it. Pam, Bill, I'm looking forward to your tour with Donald Trump. Living in Houston uh, will be a benefit. Thanks for putting it together. Well, we hope to see you at the Toyota Center on the 18th of December. Um, the show's going to be a blast, I hope. I know I'm going to be interested, and I think the president's going to answer the questions. That's the key to it all. Brad, concierge member, I mean, Brad gets direct access to me. Terrific gift for Father's Day for dad or granddad. Concierge membership to BillOReilly.com. You get a signed book with that. Bill, you are the right man for the job to interview President Trump. What a great opportunity to record the truth for all to witness. That's how I see it. And remember, we are going to videotape everything. And you guys are the only ones going to see it, Okay, So BillOReilly.com has control. Now, the Trump people have the archives as well, but they don't do a daily program like I do. So uh, we're going to take selected stuff in a lot of capacities, different capacities. That's why being a premium and concierge member and watching the No Spin News every night becomes very, very important, I think. Quentin, great news. We'll be in Houston on December 18th to see you and the president. What a great Christmas gift for our grandchildren. What a nice thing to do, Quentin. And thinking ahead, this is a tremendous Christmas gift. Um, And I'll give you the dates again in a moment uh, for anybody. And even Father's Day gift, because tickets go on sale Monday. And if you're a premium or concierge member, you can buy them on Thursday. You get the best seats. And we're doing that for you. Cindy, concierge member, I really don't understand why countries like Japan, India, and China did not create a vaccine as quickly as we did here in the USA. Cindy, they couldn't. We have the best scientists here. We have the best capitalistic system. Donald Trump made a deal with Pfizer and the other pharmaceutical companies, and the deal was they would get billions if they did it at a certain time. That is going to be one of the main things that I talk about on the tour with President Trump. How did you do this in seven months? It's a miracle. But the other countries in the world, they could not do it. UK came close, but their vaccine still problematic, not ours. Okay, we're doing really, really well with ours. So that's how it all happened. Capitalism and brilliance, American ingenuity and brilliance. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's
1: stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun so on this podcast we take the news of the day and we run it through the bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again politics by faith anywhere you listen to podcast politics by faith
0: final thought of the day i've gotten tons of mail about supply side because now if you want to buy something or get something fixed the excuse is we don't have the supplies. So what happened? Here it is. COVID shut down a lot of plants here and overseas. In order to ramp those plants up, it takes a lot of time. So the manufacturing of knickknacks, whatever it may be, is behind, badly behind. Overseas, some of those plants aren't even operating. Here, they're ramping back up, but you know what the bureaucracy is. Now, the Biden administration should be cutting out all regulations on interstate commerce to get this part stuff up as fast as possible. It is not doing that. It's imposing more regulations on commerce. That's insane. The economy will pay a price. The second thing is workers. It is absolutely true that millions of Americans are not looking for a job because they're on the dole. They're getting paid by the Biden administration more sometimes than they would in a service job. So they're not in any hurry. So you have a labor shortage, you have a supply side part shortage, then that is going to hurt the economy big time. And so Biden, who doesn't know anything about economics at all, is going to be sitting there in six months going, what the deuce happened? What can you do? I don't know. I, gotta, I can't get stuff fixed here. Okay, well, we don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have it. It's not there. And workers, it's crazy. Crazy. So, you know, I'm going to the skilled players. I'm doing the best I can to try to fix the stuff I need fixed. But it's a killer. And we need a government in Washington to understand what's happening and to stop with the woke, racist garbage, all work together to get commerce up and running after the pandemic. Right? It's racist to make people poor, to hurt business. That's racist. Stop it. But Biden sits there in his big White House meeting with the NATO secretary and then calling it a day. I mean, this is what we have. Now, it will come back to bite him. There's no doubt it's going to come back to bite President Biden. It will. But who's going to suffer in the meantime? We are. I haven't heard any mobilization from anybody. The Republicans should be all over this. Let's get American business up and running as fast as possible. COVID is now behind us. If the idiots want to wear the mask all day, fine. They can do their jobs and wear the mask. And that's the final thought of the day.